Yes, we do. Yeah. Sebastian, back to do some more unnecessary ASMR. Oh my gosh! <laughs> 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 I hate this. Somebody talked about my toes on the TikTok live. Toes? Said, Baby, why are you barefoot? Hold on. You better leave your man's toes alone. <laughs> why are you looking down there? Yeah, right now we are on the TikTok. We have the TikTok going um, live right now as we're filming this. So yeah. So and, for those of you listening, we'll be answering questions from our TikToks. Um, tiktok live people as well as a couple questions that we got through the email mm-hmm. so we'll first start with our question that we got on our email um and this person who emailed in they emailed about a lot of stuff it was a quite quite a long email but pretty much they asked um how do you like they asked if we have any advice on how to work through their feelings of animosity and hate towards white people they're a person of color, and they ask, like, how do they pretty much get out of their I hate white people phase that we talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So if anybody wants to take that or go anywhere that's with that, tough. that's really tough. Yeah, that's a good one, though. So to, to kind of preface that, uh, we talked about it before. We talked about, like, the, the stages of racial development and how there's a point where you – um, you find yourself angry at the world, right? Like when you see kind of the injustices and the racism and the microaggressions and things like that, it kind of makes you very upset, very angry at um, at just at people in general. And usually the perpetrators of those those racist incidents, right? It may not even necessarily be happening to you directly, but because you see it and you realize that it could happen to someone who looks like you, that makes you angry. Um, and so there is a stage of racial development where there's a lot of of, of underlying anger, suppressed anger and things like that. And so we jokingly called it like the I hate white people stage, right? Where it's like you just are very deeply distrusting mm-hmm. um, and angry. And then there, there comes a point where you get out of that, but it's not necessarily something that happens very quickly or that happens easily. And so we're going to talk about how to get out of that stage. We also talk about our time in it, too. Yeah. Sebastian or Kylie, if you want to share anything about that. Um, I think this phase is something that kind of like pops up in and out of your life for, for a long, like it will come and it'll go and it'll come and it'll go. Um, I think, man, how do you get out of it is such a good question. Um, man, how to get out. I think, I think the way you get out of it is realizing that like you, I guess for me, one thing maybe is like you can only control what you can control. Um, and to surround yourself with people that you know will build you up, right? Like control the factors that are controllable, you know, who you surround yourself with, um, you know, what do you do in your free time? How do you, you know, relieve yourself of the stress in, in, the, in the hard things that you feel on a day-to-day basis? I think like when it comes to, you know, having these thoughts and feelings that are super valid, the only way you move past them is by, I don't know, time plus healthy decompression. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Kylie, do you have anything you want to add? Um, not really. I mean, not honestly. I don't know if I've ever really been in that like phase. Not 
anything that's like coming to my mm-hmm. mind instantly. So I think more for me, it was more of like a self-hatred, mm. which was kind of hard. And like, I don't know, because everything was kind of like a lot slower for me. I think a lot of it mm. when I was younger, before I came to BYU. And then as I grew into myself, it was more of like, I just like took back the power, I guess, rather than hating. I don't know. I don't really have a good story for this one just because I think mine either hasn't happened or it did when I was younger and I just didn't realize it. But Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you, Sebastian, on the it going through different, you go through different phases at different points in your life. And I think the hard thing is that you don't really know how long it's going to be. And I think really just riding the wave of your emotions, that's something my therapist always tells me all the time, is to not really be upset at your emotions, right? If you have an emotional reaction to what you're experiencing or kind of the new knowledge you've gained as you become more aware of racial things, but also just um, in going with those emotions and riding the wave, right? When you're upset, be upset. And don't try to force yourself to not be upset because we were raised in a country that was founded by white supremacy we almost like feel bad when we dislike like we don't want to have hate towards anyone right um but at the same time you have to recognize that sometimes you might be telling yourself you shouldn't be mad at these people because of kind of the social and cultural situation of the united states and so i think that that's important to recognize too um but yeah it's a really hard place and i think yeah, I'll share more about my where I was at that time and, and different. But Nate, any any advice you want to give? Um, well, I think that Kylie brings up a good point that it's not just like hating or being or sorry, not hating, but it's, it's not just being angry with other people or hating other people. It's also it can be like manifest in behavior towards yourself, and like I mean, I I went through that too. Like you know, this kind of portion of like oh. Um, you know, I don't like who I am, so I'm going to try and, like, change who I am. I don't know, Kylie, if that's necessarily exactly what you were describing. Yeah, so, like, like, one thing, I guess, kind of as I sit and think, I, I guess in a way is, like, I was very unaccepting of, like, my body and, like, my hair and just, like, natural things. So, Mm -hmm. like, I played soccer growing up, and so, like, I can distinctly remember looking at my teammates and being like, oh, like I'm so much bigger and I'm so much this and so much this and all of these negative comments because that's what I was told all the time by just like coaches and parents and whatnot. And so like looking back on pictures now and realizing that I was not big at all compared to them, like I was the same size, but like trying so hard to like change the things that I could control. So like mm. I straightened my hair all the time and I would talk very I mean I naturally talk like this but I would try not to say things that are stereotypically black and Mm -hmm. like or even being aggressive when I played and so like that kind of followed me through high school and playing club and everything until 18 and so then that's why I think a lot of those things changed for me when I came to BYU and like didn't have those like soccer that was like my entire life all the time right so, yeah, I mean, I don't straight, I haven't straightened my hair since my freshman year, and now I realize I'm a little thick, and that's okay. <laughs> like, Purr, we love to see it. little things like that, like not trying to change myself for the stereotypical standard of beauty here. Yeah, I think um, what you were talking about, Kylie, that experience of having those feelings towards yourself and um, of just really, and it's again because we're raised around if you're raised around white people or, you know, anything dealing with white supremacy, which has infiltrated so many things in 
um, the United States, that that feeling that, that you talked about, I went through that too at one point, right? I remember something really strange. I used to not listen to rap music when I was in like middle school. Oh, me too, me too. Okay. <laughs> I'm so was, glad we're not, I'm not the only one. Okay. That was me in my junior year. No, yeah, in my, my in middle school, I was like, that's what the ghetto kids listen to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be labeled as a ghetto kid. I also was really... Like I was always top of my class, and so I was already perceived as like closer to whiteness because I was like air quote intelligent, mm-hmm. um, and so I really wanted to distance myself from anything that was associated with blackness. And because I had you know similar experiences like Kylie and dislike of yourself, that led to my phase of being when I realized that was not true. That's mm-hmm. what put me into my I hate white people phase or period of time where I was so angry because I was so upset that that was what was considered what I was trying to achieve or like work towards and like why is who I am not good enough or why is who I am naturally not considered what other people should strive towards being too. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. I feel like that is what drove me to well, that think, space. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm, I mean, I'm biracial, so it's a little different where yeah. I felt like I was trying so hard to be like the white girls and then all the black girls were starting to hate me. And so then I would mm. try to be like, okay, like, I'm gonna wear my hair curly, and then it was, like, my curls weren't curly enough, and so it was Mm. just, like, this constant battle of, like, I mean, I feel like every biracial person says this, but it is that, I think that's why I don't necessarily have, like, a I hate white people phase, because I think, in a way, it was both, Mm. Mm. of, like, I hate black people, and I hate white people, because I was never enough for anyone, and so I think that's where my journey at BYU is, is, like, I don't have to be enough for anybody else, because I at this point I don't care because I've been fighting my whole life and it was never going to be enough and so I think that standard of or like the teaching of you have to be enough for someone else is wrong because I don't know I think it's okay to not be enough for someone because you might be too much and that's right. good as well I don't know if that makes sense that's but. so interesting and I want to I want to apologize because I like the I hate the, talking about it in like the I hate white people phase <laughs> that was like a very narrow-minded thing I didn't even think about like yeah. your experience being biracial how that would be completely different so like yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That opened my mind to my mom is white. Right, right, right. That <laughs> like, opened my mind to a new perspective. So I guess we'll just call it the angry phase, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it is because mm-hmm. it is a little different for everyone. Because even like my angry phase wasn't it. Like I guess it did reflect more on myself than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think we all kind of have different experiences where you might only surround yourself with other black people, or you might like I don't. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like any experience we have as black people is every we can't all speak for everyone 100% I would say too that a part of my angry phase was kind of an anger at um, all the things that I had missed out on Mm. because of of my my goal to try and assimilate and that was kind of my whole life right trying to fit in with the white LDS crowd um, and trying to distance myself from things that were considered black or considered ghetto, right? Then once I realized what I've been missing, I was like, man, now I got to make up for it, you know? And so that was kind of like a part of that phase is trying to kind of overcompensate for all the things that you maybe missed out on. Because, you know, when I was, even when I was a missionary, um, you know, kids would ask me, oh, do you know who, um," or like other missionaries would ask me, oh, do you know who, I don't know who's an example. They just asked me about some rapper, right? And I wouldn't know who it was or like I didn't know much about him. And then they'd be like, what, you don't know who that is? Oh, yeah, I'm more black than you are, you know, the, the stereotype. I hate when people say, oh, my God. Or, it. oh, my so goodness. There's so it. many movies mm. that, like, I didn't see as a kid because they just were not appropriate for, like, me being seven. Let's, and so let's talk about all it. The black, being, all the let's talk about it as a black movies. community. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then you're like, oh, I'm taking your black card. Like, mm-hmm. I'm seven years old. There's a good reason I haven't seen Friday or, like, 
boys in the hood. Like right. the, I haven't seen those things because I'm a kid, not because I'm just missing out. And so mm-hmm. like stuff like that was, ooh, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, big facts. I didn't see my first Tyler Perry movie until I was like 19, 20. Oh shoot, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I know, right? Take Wild. my black card away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, just growing up, like my parents, they didn't really want us watching like Tyler Perry movies. They watched a few, but I guess they were like too scandalous or whatever. So we just didn't watch them. But yeah, I mean, I grew up on other stuff. I was watching Jimmy Stewart movies and, you know, all that kind of thing. Who was that again? He was like an old school, old white man actor. Oh, okay. He, 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 don't worry about I don't really it. know anybody's name, to be honest. Uh-huh. Like any famous like, person. No, I don't know. expect I'm anybody not... to know who he is. He's an old actor, like 50, yeah. 60, 70. Oh, yeah, I definitely like, don't know But yeah. Yeah, um, and one thing I wanted to add also, which is adding on to what Kylie and Nate said, I think part of the that angry stage is being just upset at the system, right? And just feeling like powerless. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a right. huge part of that phase is you feel like you've almost realized your place and you kind of realize that all this stuff that you've tried to do your entire life is not doing anything for you, right? Like you try to assimilate and where has it gotten you? You're still black. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like <laughs> you are still seen as other. And so you you just get upset that systematically like you have almost like no power. And so like, but that that's why the the angry stage leads to that stage of wanting to do something and to be to be empowering almost because then you're like, well, there is something I can do, right? Like, I look at what the civil rights leaders did. They had no power, right? And they said, we're going to find some mm-hmm. and we're going to make it happen. And so um, everyone doesn't have to go through that angry stage, um, but I, I, some people do. And normally, hopefully, it leads to a positive outcome of you being an advocate. Yeah. So just be aware of that when you're, when you're interacting with people of mm-hmm. color. You don't know where they are in those stages. Um, and so if you're trying to be an ally, just be aware that they could be in one of those stages and you may not know it. So if somebody doesn't want to talk to you, maybe they're having a day or maybe they just don't want to yeah. talk to you, right? Right. But uh, I think that's important to know. But yeah, I think that's, that's the only question we had this week. There's now, some good on here. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. now, now we're going to interact with our Where's lives. Where's the one, Where's the one that I pointed fans. at? The statistics one? Under the statistic one. Give me a second. Yeah. I had to um, reload mine. Oh, no. oh, right here. Um, there was Sebastian's one. Sebastian's helping me. There was no. one that said... My boyfriend is a, uh, a POC. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Hold on. Right there. You're right. I keep moving from it. Uh, I think he deleted it. Okay. Well, there was a question. It said, my oh, oh, my partner my partner is POC, but is resistant to talk to me about his related experiences. Any tips or opinions? And I, and I thought about this. I think mm. there might be some reasons because why he's more, um, why he doesn't want to. If you have a significant other that's a POC um, or you have a friend that's a POC and they don't want to talk to you about their experiences, I think you need to evaluate other aspects of y'all's relationship. Um, One big reason POC or people that are members of marginalized communities don't want to share their topics is because they have felt invalidated um, or that they don't think you'll, that it's going to start an argument or the white fragility or that defensiveness will come out. Um, and so I think if you're in a situation similar where you aren't feeling much feedback, look at the other parts of the relationship. Are y'all emotionally connected in, in a space where if he shares his feelings with you or they share their feelings with you, that you're going to respond positively in a way that's validating, right? Without asking, well, do you think like, for instance, say I tell you a racist experience and then you're like, well, 
Like, what about what if it was like this? Like, what if they had different intentions? Like, all of those things are so invalidating. And because they are mm-hmm. invalidating, people are going to be less likely and willing to share their experiences. Mm-hmm. So if you're in this space, there's a reason that they don't want to share it. Um, and it could be because of things you've done, which is pretty probable. But it also could just be because of the life they've lived, where vulnerability hasn't been an option. Um However, though, I would really look and evaluate your relationship because I bet that's what's causing this disconnect mm-hmm. yeah. where they don't feel comfortable enough. Because I've been there many, many times. I, I would agree. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. sorry. I was just going to say, someone in the comments said, you're not entitled to your partner's trauma. And for me, that kind of sticks out because it's like, I've been in a situation where in a past relationship, he tried to force a lot of things out of me mm-hmm. that have happened to me. Right. And so it was more just like genuine curiosity, not even necessarily related to my race but just like past experiences and so instead of because i said no he went seeking it from other people Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. created distrust because it's my story to tell and so like what that person is saying just because they are your partner doesn't mean they have to tell you anything that's happened to them in the past because it could just be sacred they might not want to bring it back up Mm -hmm. so i mean that's something that like sebastian's saying like you have to kind of look inward and realize that you might honestly be creating a safe place or they might not just be ready to right. tell you or never want to tell you and you have to be okay with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Period. very true. Per. Yeah, and I mean, we don't know the details of your relationship, but right. I, I mean, if, if a, I know for me as a person of color, uh, if I don't want to tell somebody something about my experience, it's because I don't trust them fully in that situation right. and I'm not comfortable being vulnerable in that. Um, and usually, you know, it's, it's because of, of something that I've detected in them or, or some, um, you know, manner, like way of thought that just mm-hmm. doesn't sit well with me being vulnerable. Speak right. On it. And so when I, when I feel that someone is uh, willing to listen to me and to hear my experience and to, to validate it, then I'm much more willing to be open in that situation. Again, right. I don't know the details of your relationship, but uh, like Sebastian said, there could be some things that, that maybe you just don't realize have been kind of invalidating. And those yep. might be things that you need to evaluate and just kind of wait um, for your significant other to to see a change, and they or can maybe, be in. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I was gonna say, and I think there are a lot of well-intentioned white people who do that. And mm. I say that because I'm not calling anybody else specifically. So if anybody in my life listens to this podcast, <laughs> don't ju- go jump into conclusions. But there are certain people that I have had personal experiences with that they would label themselves as an ally, as someone who stands with the, the black community, Black Lives Matter, and all these things. But as soon as, you know, mm. I'm talking with a fellow black person about our feelings about particular things, or we're just talking about an issue or something that's going on, they're very quick to be like, well, well, why do you think that way? Do you think that person was really trying to, be? like, they're very mm. quick to to have that mindset that not everything is about race. That fragility comes That fragility out. comes out really quickly and then it's conf- and then almost like trying to force us to believe what they believe. Anywho, such a story for right. another time. Big but facts. yeah, and so I'm saying like there's a lot of people that don't realize that that's what you are doing. And so like Sebastian was saying, that self-reflection is key and um you might even need to go to a little like I think also just having a lot of humility on your part as a like being the white partner as someone who has dated a white person and like seeing people I know marry white people 
your experience is just different than theirs and you just need to be humble about that because I think a lot of what I've seen is white partners get very when they want to be involved they want to know everything and they Mm -hmm. want to be told everything you are not going to know everything at the end of the day you will never have that lived experience and so you just need to be comfortable with where your partner's at because they might not even be in a place where they even recognize some racial things that have happened to them in the past Mm. there's different stages of racial development like we've talked about they could be at a different phase and so you're expecting them to talk like us and be ready to babble off at the mouth and they might be a stage one babes like you don't know that and so you have to understand that your partner also has their own experience with where they are racially and you have to respect that mm-hmm. i think um oh i had a story give me a second oh is it there is it oh uh oh yes okay as somebody saw you my ex my last partner was white right and what I realized, and this was something, one of the most important things I've realized, is that being with, and this is for everybody, but being with a person of color or a black person or whatever doesn't make you automatically anti-racist and a great ally. Period. Speak on it. You have to, like, I remember my ex would tell me frequently, like, well, there's just so much I need to learn. Like, there's just, like, I just can't learn it all. There's just so much. And like that was like the the way to get out of doing like the education and your real work. And so it's so valuable to realize, yes, it might be a lot, but you have to know that like one, yes, it's a lot. But imagine for the people that are living it on the day to day basis. Mm -hmm. And so two, now it's your responsibility to be an anti-racist, especially now being with somebody that is a person of color, even more at that point, in my opinion. And so like. Yes, it might be difficult, uncomfortable or whatever. And this is kind of off topic, but like as a white partner with a POC, you have to be, like she said, humble enough to to, to go through those phases and, and really learn and grow in the same way that like, you know, you don't become automatically an ally to a queer person if you have a queer sibling or you don't automatically become like a super strong feminist or ally just because you date a woman. Like that's just not how it works being associated with somebody and so the anti-racist and anti-whatever work is is pretty 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 important so period Sebastian. Mm-hmm. speak on it kylie did you have something you wanted to say earlier sorry um i was just gonna say like maybe just ask i mean i just, like in the sense of ask how can you create a space where they feel comfortable sharing things with you mm-hmm. i mean or like I mean, sometimes part of reflection is like you kind of have to know what you're doing wrong. Mm. So it's hard to reflect if you have no idea even where to start. So I was just going to say, if you have a, I mean, your relationship should be based on communication. So maybe just say like, hey, I mean, you don't even have to make it about race. Just say like, hey, I've been trying to better my skills and communication. Like, how can I best support you when it comes to something hard? Mm. I don't know, something like that, where it's like you kind of, I feel like they talk about this all the time in like psychology and stuff. Like, how do you you like blame yourself, but you get the information you need? And so, so just <laughs> saying like, "Hey, I'm trying to be better." I mean, which you are. So, maybe just asking. And if you can't ask, that's a different reflection right. y'all need to work on. But mm-hmm. in this sense, <laughs> maybe just ask how to create a safe place for Period. your partner. Questions I will make sense. Love that. Any other questions on the uh, on the live? Which I got for There's us. one about LeBron. LeBron. Uh, no. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other people have talked about my toes. Yeah, they have. You say you can't yeah. put a tablecloth. I said these are these toes are high value. 
Listen. And if we're being honest, guys, we have never like done it from this angle, so we didn't even know what it looked like. So mm-hmm. we're sorry. This is all. <laughs> Normally, our angle with the camera that we use for the podcast is up, so they don't see the toesies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, <laughs> Loki, I almost didn't wear socks today myself. <laughs> uh, well, the person who asked the question said, "Thanks, guys. Yes. A thousand percent agree. This has been really helpful. Uh, glad we can help because we kind of ramble. So yeah, yes, glad you could pick out the information you needed." Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, let's listen to the podcast, too. We do mm. these weekly, guys. So. Also, stay tuned. We'll be opening the OnlyFans for Sebastian's oh. feet. You already know how it go. <laughs> these toes high value. Y'all right now, uh, <laughs> y'all don't want to subscribe to that OnlyFans. <laughs> I love my man, but oh, Lord, them toes. Not the toes. These toes high value. High value? High value. At least $50 a pit. Yeah, okay. we'll keep them to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Give this man money, money, period. Go yeah. off then, Jay Songbird. What are the questions questions? y'all got? Hit us up. I don't... We can joke all day. There's some at the Mm. very, very top, I believe. Um, I had to get out Someone said, how many are you still enrolled at BYU? Um, Me, Sebastian, and Kenethia are all still students. Rachel graduates in like... Well, she's already graduated technically, but she's done in a week. Period. And Nate graduated in the spring. Is that what it's considered? So glad I made it. (laughs) Oh, here's one. Um, You know he liked it. Where and how would you recommend someone start educating themselves like where and how would one do that oh mm. on anti-racist and pro-allyship work well there's a lot of different resources out there i would say a good place to go for just like information mm. equal justice initiative Facts. the website for them they have uh four different reports on just some of the racial discrepancies in america mm-hmm. i think a lot of it has to do with um, prisons and lynchings and things like that but there's some really good information there equal justice initiative I think it's just EJI.com. Yeah. That's a good place to start. And uh, I mean, honestly, if you go to if you go to anti-racism TikTok, they got some good stuff on there, too. Yeah. If you just type in, you know, hashtags like anti-racism or um, things like that, you can find a lot of, of, of good information there. Um, and just things like perspectives that you may not have heard about. There's also a lot of stories, a lot of facts. I just learned recently about um, I guess the, the term that they're calling it is like the African Holocaust. Mm, I, um, I was learning about that the other day. Yeah, I just learned about it. But there was a white man who went to the Congo um, and co- and colonized it for rubber, and he killed 10 million Africans, but oh, nobody shoot. talks about it. Dang. Did you see it on that one black TikToker? I think so, yeah. I yeah, saw it on yeah, TikTok, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I just learned about that. It. Killed yes. 10 million Africans, and I had never heard about it before. And it's because because those people were not um, European in descent it was not considered right. important they weren't considered uh, human enough to be to be remarked because 10 million is that's that's a lot that's of a people. lot of people that's that's the, the, of people. the german holocaust mm-hmm. yeah and so you know um yeah not to not to discount the experiences of of the holocaust right Facts. but um just the fact that there was something that happened on a scale that's that's three times larger that we've never heard about that's kind of mind-blowing to me. And the only reason that we haven't heard about it is because it happened on the African continent. Facts. So there's a lot that you can learn just on TikTok. And I love how TikTok just breaks down. They break down information into bite-sized pieces. So that's a really good place to start um, if you feel overwhelmed. Uh, Equal Justice Initiative. And I don't know. What other resources are there? Um, Everything. Like, yeah. just type in, like. How is race? How does doesn't, racism exist? Doesn't mm. Netflix like, have like a black documentary category? I'm pretty sure yeah, they do. Yeah, go on like every black like voices. On yeah, Netflix. literally. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So look, up, it's like there. the Black Lives Matter collection. Yeah, yeah. so mm. you there, can it's go there. everywhere. If you seek it, you will find like, it. Like it is. 
it's alive and you'll see some funny black stuff but you'll see some factual black watch 13th that's yeah most on Netflix. On 13th watch, watch when Selma. they see us if you're black don't watch when they see us but if you you know yeah it's it's traumatizing yeah. if you're black it's facts mm-hmm. i think one thing I don't know, you know, me and my little positivity. Being, <laughs> Come on with the positivity. <laughs> yeah, it's always Kylie. I think learning about about black culture doesn't always have to be sad either. I mean, yes, oh, yeah. there's a mm-hmm. lot of things, but like there's, I mean, we experience joy every single day. Yeah, so absolutely. like, let's not, I don't know. And that's how I keep myself going. Don't Hashtag learn. black joy on TikTok. Yes. Like I know a lot of like all the heavy stuff and everything, but there is like, I mean, just listen to like music by black creators mm-hmm. or like, go on Etsy and buy some, like even just supporting black people. Right. And like when we, you know, if you see a bunch of black people and they smiling and laughing, just kind of like send positive vibes. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways you can support and un- educate yourself, but also don't always focus right. on the sad stuff because yeah. when Amen. you don't mm-hmm. right. like, yes, obviously be aware and educate yourself, but I think it can right. also yeah. be good. The combined effect. That's yeah. a very good point. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Don't just yes. look at the sad stuff. There's also a lot of great stuff. Like there's a lot of amazing facts, and there's always like amazing things happening. Katanji Brown Jackson for right. K- Jackson the, Brown. The Brown Jackson. Jackson Brown. Katanji Jackson Brown. KG. Now, now I feel no, bad because I don't. If me silent because I don't know either. KBJ, regardless, right? y'all know anyway, the y'all know You know her. who we talking about? First or, black woman on the Supreme Court. It was like the know? youngest person ever to get into med school. Mm, this, mm-hmm. She was like a 13 year old black girl. Oh wow! She just got into med school at like oh I saw that some a very good college like that's like pure yet par. You know what I mean? That's that's go off. So this is black history happening every day. So just you know so, be on yeah. the lookout for it. I'm crying from these comments. I am too. Right now. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for people, the people <laughs> defending <laughs> us in the comments on Jay this live. Songbird, Thank you. Give them right. A, Who's Jay Songberg slapping you, our you DMs? Fight, yeah, you're fighting for us with this person asking a crazy question. Right. Y'all really. I mean, should we just explain it though? I mean, we could talk about it for a second. Um, so basically, I th- I don't know the exact question. I think it's mostly just like what is reverse racism and is if, if like it why exists? does it not exist? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they already have their own opinion, but we can still uh-huh. answer it and pretend. Um, okay. So basically, what people mean when they say reverse racism <laughs> is they're implying that I mean, because racism by definition is like structure. I mean, people like the bare bones of racism is like thinking that you are superior to another racial group, right? Like that's what it is. But really racism is a little higher it's than more that. Developed. It's more de- than that. We're it's not more than stuck just, in the past. Yes, right it's now. more than just like, I think that I'm better than another race. It's like systems that oppress and support racist ideology also. Um, and so reverse racism is the idea that people who are oppressed pretty much historically can also be racist against um, those who are in the majority group and have like power right mm-hmm. right yeah so like it, it's really that there's really nothing more to add like it's that simple there is no it's not complicated um in this country that we're currently in right people of color marginalized communities don't have the power and a person of color can't oppress a white person you know they may have prejudices within themselves that are harmful and they can even have like they can make like discriminatory actions, but like the whole idea of racism is built much more in the systems rather than a mindset, right? It's it's greater than that. We the the definition has developed according to scholars, um, and we're not stuck in the 1940s where the definition was originally created. We're better than Merriam-Webster's now. Okay? Period. Mm-hmm. So. Sorry, someone said Hoochie Boy Sebastian. Yeah, I saw that. You already know it's always Hoochie Boy season. Okay, well, he <laughs> stood up, Hoochie y'all. Who are listening on the podcast, he stood up. But, Period. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that just go. I mean, 
it's hard to because like there obviously is extreme black people who like absolutely hate white people and like we're not condoning that behavior either but to say like racism with the definition it has just doesn't apply it could be like prejudice what other right words? it's a it's prejudice it can people be discrimination can be yeah right, they can right, right. they can discriminate against you prejudice yeah. is the the mindset in the thoughts discrimination is the, the action, action. Mm-hmm. Right. and it can be mm-hmm. both of those that's great but which is still not yeah. but right, also but at the same time it's a, yeah right like, there's a lot of conversation that's all completely different yeah and white people i'm sorry they always if they're talking about reverse racism the first thing they always talk about is i was made fun of by uh, x group of black person for not knowing how to dance or they make like very stereotypical things which that's sad and like yeah. let's acknowledge like i'm sad for you but it's like i don't walk around hating white people because they called me the n-word and like our situations right. are different exactly so, no, like that's different than someone making fun of you because you can't dance and someone calling you the n-word yeah like you gotta pick let's talk about it battles also on. systematically those are not the same things like mm-hmm. you had an individual experience that was not the best which we are not condoning but Let's talk about how black people are systematically oppressed and For doing they nothing. still have being. the wealth disparity between black and white people in this country. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, right? Same. Like, yep. it's like, I think the average wealth of a black person is like $30,000. I think it's like $7,000. Oh, and then a white person is what, 70? Yeah. Yeah. It's like seven to 70,000. Yeah. And so it's like, and I can go off on more stats if you really want. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's a pure, that's a great example of even though your individual experience with discrimination or prejudice was upsetting, it is not the same as systemic and systematic racism impacting you every single day and your ability to exist in a nation. Right. And there's, it's it's crazy. White, ra- white, white racism. It literally ex- is everywhere, and it exists in every part. Um, like nobody understands the full like extent and impact of segregation, and how segregation in every aspect of our country really destroyed the black and communities of people of color. Um, like the first like major suburb is called Levittown. It's like mm. one of the most important su- white suburbs, but it was a white only suburb. And at the time, it was like the house was like seven thousand dollars, like nineteen forties. There was another similar, as like well black neighborhood, um, also same like seven thousand dollars a house. Now with the time, like how much they cost now, the white neighborhood is like four hundred thousand dollars a house, while the black neighborhood is like a hundred thousand dollars a house. Like that just shows like how segregation and the systemic racism has played out, has affected us generationally as well. So like there's a million things that it just. It just ain't the same. It's just not the same. So, yeah. Very true. Very true. And somebody pointed out something in here that said, um, well, saying that a white person can't dance is just being mean. It's not being racist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very true. I love that. Thank you for pointing that out, Ryan Mo. And I think it goes the other way, too. Yes, a white person can be mean without being racist. Mm. However, right. um, because of the history mm-hmm. of racism in this country, and because of the the ways that we are conditioned to see race in America, it's very difficult to separate uh, racial things um, mm. from people's behavior yeah. uh, when it comes to the treatment of, of black people in, in America. You know, and you see it all the time. You know, we have these this very popular to call people like call women white women Karens, and when they you know have a meltdown in public or whatever. But in a lot of those videos that that go viral, it starts off as just a woman being upset with how you know something went down and then quickly Karen. it turns into a go back to your country or Very uh, calling right, them the N-word right. or calling Talk them 
calling them a black B word. You know, I, and it's like it starts off as one thing, but then it quickly becomes something racially motivated. And it's because of the way that they've been conditioned to see race. It may start off as just a, a displeasure, at, you know, at the way that they were treated. But then it turns into, oh, this person is black and this is why I'm being treated this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult to separate that. And that's where the racism aspect comes in, um, because white people have uh, the leg up um, economically and, and um you know, I guess in, in other ways in the United States, it makes it very difficult to kind of separate those two things. And it's not just because we don't want to separate it. It's because a lot of people can't separate it in their minds and Period. they associate our behaviors and our actions and everything with just being black, right? So. Yeah. Okay, thing we're going to end on, since we have Kylie and Sebastian on, someone said, this isn't a question, but I'm taking it as an opportunity for you guys to share, if you're comfortable. Um, they said it's just very hard to explain this to my very conservative white parents not that you guys have conservative parents <laughs> um but you both since you both are biracial yeah. you both have a white parent and so yeah. if you wanted to share maybe any advice to someone um right. or any experiences you've had talking with your white pa- parents or family members um with racial things um did you want to say something first no you can go first oh um i was just gonna say i have been v- i'm very bold and, like, I don't really dumb things down for people. Um, and maybe that's not the best approach. But for me, that's just what I do. And that's what I have done. Um, when, for instance, where my white uncle told me that, like, he, what did he say? He was, like, either scared of me or, like, was going to kill me because I looked like a gangster in his house because I had a do-rag on. Um, like, my sister right then, right there was like, bro, you're being racist. And he, you know, got super fragile and super like, oh my gosh, it was a joke. It was a joke. Like, okay, yes, you could be joking, but it's built on racism embedded within yourself. And so I think genuinely what me, what I have seen work is being bold and being very assertive because this is the reality. This is truth. And when you speak truth, people might not accept it. But you're speaking truth. And you can have more tact than me, maybe me and my family do, where we are just very straight up like, okay, like, sucks is suck. Don't talk to me, or you do talk to me. Be disappointed. You can disagree with me, but at the end of the day, I'm not gonna allow your racism to be okay. Um, and I'm gonna be very, like, stark and, and frank in that. Um, and I think you just have to assert it in the same way you assert truth in ever, other aspects without allowing it to be okay. Um, even if that means you're uncomfortable calling them out when they say something and the, say you're white and your family's white, you're in the car and they say, oh, like, wow, he, he's he that person's so gangster. Or, this part is the bad side of town or whatever it is that's built on racist ideologies um, to be OK with being uncomfortable and calling them out and making them like make them uncomfortable. Be like, wow, like, why is this? Why is my white kid calling me out about racism? Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to suck for them. It might suck for you. But truth is truth, um, and people will have to swallow it one day. So, um, my approach is a little bit more gentle. <laughs> um, Come on, Kylie, with you the guys positivity. Know us, you you guys should have expected that if you know us. But yeah. go ahead, guys. Sorry. The voice um, of reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my family's a lot. I mean, we're really close. Like we all live in. Like besides, like me and my cousins who are in school. But anyway, we all live in the same area, and so we are really close. And so I will say, like, my family's very accepting in general and if they don't understand something most of the time they ask and that's fine I have had a few instances where something out of pocket is said and usually I can say something so 
I don't remember exactly the question, but I think my... Wherever you want to take it. Yeah, my approach is just patience. I think I have had a lot of, like, I have to remember that, and this is the only the way I get through it. Mostly, like, I have to remember that they don't see me other than just Kylie. And so, like, because I've just been around my whole, like, my whole life, and they just have, like, they accept me for everything that I am, and so sometimes they don't realize that other people might not see me the same way they see me. And so having to explain to them that I'm not just sweet, innocent Kylie, but to other people I might be the scary black girl mm. or, like, all of these mm-hmm. stereotypes. And so having to explain to that, explain that to them with patience and love and caring because they are trying. And if they're not trying, then I do kind of call them out in a loving way because, for me, I am close with my family and I don't want to ruin that relationship. So even if it's a really awkward conversation that we both had, that I've had with my mom, my grandma, my aunt, uncle, whatever. I've had it with almost every single one of my family members. And it's a way of like, if you love me, you have to understand. And if you can't understand it, you got to work to figure it out because it's not my job to make it make sense for you. All it is is I can tell you what happened Mm. and then you can choose how to take it. And so because they love me, they've kind of been, they're trying. And that's like where I have to acknowledge is like the effort. Um, So yeah, I guess patience and a lot of love from both ends because we might not always see eye to eye and so sometimes we just don't talk about things and that's fine or we introduce the topic and we visit it later yeah so and that's what being a menace is about kylie it's even it's having those uncomfortable conversations and that's just what you have to do when you are dealing with people who have grown up in white supremacy and don't they just don't see certain things because their lived experience does not warrant them to exactly and you can't i mean like i can't fault my family for certain things that they i mean if you never faced it how do i expect you to get it and so it's i think the really like the main factor is you have to decide where you put your energy into and i choose to put my energy into explaining it to my family and i just don't explain things to other people because i don't have the time or capacity to do so so i think it depends on where you want to take the energy and apply it and then after that you can do because other people i don't have the time right yeah like i really i'll just look at you and i'll walk away because i give it to the people i care about most talk on it amen period very interesting all right well i think that's about it for today yeah, for today. <laughs> we'll be back we'll next be week. Back. For those of you who are watching, maybe don't know what's going on. We decided to do a, <laughs> we decided to uh, record an episode of our Black Menaces podcast um, while going live on TikTok. So um, just so y'all can see a little bit of what we're doing and get a chance to kind of see it live happen live. Um, be sure to listen to the Black Menaces podcast. It's mm-hmm. available on Apple Music. Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts, as they like to say. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, feel free to check us out and engage. Mm-hmm. And also, money. We need money That's because period. we want to be able to do more uh, for y'all, right? We want to be able to train people on how to be a menace. We want to be able to provide trainings and things like that. And somebody recently expressed to us that we need to get out of the mindset of doing things for free. Not that we've been doing it for free for y'all the time, but. Um, this takes a lot out of us, right? It takes a lot of energy to provide y'all with the content that we do. It takes our time. Um, and you know, we're all still like, I have a full-time job. We're all still working. We're also going to school or doing things like that. I'm, you know, and so, um, if y'all, you know, if you want to help the support, the black menaces, feel free to send us a little something, something in Venmo. 
Um, the True. link is in the bio. Yeah. And um, yeah, we love y'all. We appreciate your support. Yes, we do. Yes. Feel free and to reach out to us. Don't forget, we answer questions on our podcast every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do that, or we interview people as well on our podcast. And you can email us any questions you have about anything dealing with racial things, dealing with BYU, or just anything with allyship, any question you have, we will try our best to answer it and it will be featured on the podcast. We keep things anonymous and you can email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com. Black Menaces Podcast. Black Menaces Podcast. Yeah. Sorry. We mess it up with every single week. <laughs> it's, it's Literally gonna, every the week we film, in the description. we mess it up. Uh-huh. So, every yes. single week. <laughs> the link will be in the description and uh, yeah, follow us on Patreon, Menace Society. Follow us on all of our platforms at Black Menaces. Period. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for tuning Thank in today. Alright, see you. All love. Peace, love. Yeah, and never forget Apple juice. No. <laughs> be a menace. <laughs> be a menace. Be a menace. Be a menace with apple juice. Amen. <laughs>